0: Welcome to the CX Hustle, my name's Justin Tippett and again today I'm joined by Daniel Lloyd. Welcome, Daniel.
1: Thank you, Justin. Cool to be here.
0: Mate, always great to have you on and this time again, of course, we're back in Melbourne.
1: That's right. You put me on a plane for 20 hours and here I am. It's yeah. Great ap- to be here. Apologies
0: about that, but I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure you caught up with a lot of books and we'll probably hear some of that knowledge in this conversation today because oh, you're an okay. avid book reader, as we know. Um, now, today we wanted to talk about, I guess, the, and there's probably lots of different ones, but I think we can condense them down into the mm. two types of, of call center slash contact center managers out there today. Um What's what's your take? Like, you know, you, you see a lot of call centres. You've been in the game for a long period of time. So I'm interested in, yeah, sort of how you whittle it down to two.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds a bit arrogant to only bring it down to two, <laughs> doesn't it? But, but sometimes simplicity works. Yeah and, yeah. and so I look at it this way. Um, the, the first type are those folks that are measuring the wrong things. And I've always said if you're measuring the wrong things, you're chasing the wrong things. You're going to get the wrong behaviours you're gonna get the wrong outcomes, and you're just gonna be treading water, fighting fires, and it's it's a tough life. Um, a classic example is if you're heavily looking at number of calls handled, that's a dangerous and incorrect metric. If you're heavily focused on the HT, again, that's gonna cause problems for you. So for me, these this type one, these folks need to kind of get themselves equipped. They need to get themselves some solid operational knowledge. And I'm always very fair here because there's a great uh, expression out there called, what you see is all there is. Yep. And in what you see is all there is, if you've worked in the same company or the same center for one, two, five, eight years, you truly believe that's how all centers work. Yeah, of course.
0: And, but, and most people, as we know, started on the phones, right? They worked their way up into management. So if this is the monthly report <laughs> that I've just had to do because I've inherited it from the last manager and so forth and so forth, that's it. Yeah,
1: you're right. And, and, and we don't really have a... We don't come up into this industry through a professional credential or through you know professional schooling. We we learn a lot on the job, and and that was my personal experience as well, which I share a lot when I talk or I teach. So I have a lot of empathy for Type One folks. At the same time, I have a bit of urgency for Type One folks because I'm like with the advent of CX and all the complexities that we're starting to see when it comes to channels and all that great stuff, you're simply not gonna survive very long if you don't have the fundamentals. It's really that clear to me
0: yeah so Um, so what um so so given that type one is essentially reporting the stats as they are you know it's really the volume stuff isn't number of calls aht all the stuff that we've we've spoken about numerous times so so what separates i'm intrigued you've got me excited Um, (laughs) what separates type one from type two
1: well i mean type two people have the fundamentals and and so someone will say but dan the contact center industry has changed so much in recent years as compared to let's say, when you were a VP of operations running contact centers decades ago. And I'll be, yeah, there are more channels, and yes, there are more customer demands and expectations, and yes, the technology has has definitely risen and taken a more predominant role, but every single principle I've learned, how to calculate staff in a service level environment, how to treat people, how to do customer research... Those fundamentals haven't really yeah, changed. The same, right? Yeah. Yep. They they keep being uh, you uncover more and more and you learn more and more. Uh, but but I have found having a solid background in fundamentals has made all the difference to my success in teaching other people to become, according to this podcast, type two managers. Yep. Yep. And there's another thing I'd like to say about measuring the right things. There's a lot of talk about culture. And in customer experience, you talk about culture, but let's talk about contact center culture for a minute. One of the quickest ways to fix or improve a contact center culture is to change the metrics. Yep. When all of a sudden people are measured on things that they can achieve and they give them purpose and value, like satisfying the need of the person that they're serving, whether that's a live chat or phone call or whatever, that is a lot more invigorating to do than constantly look at your watch and make sure you haven't talked more than 82 seconds mm-hmm. or make sure you've done 322 calls. So I think sometimes we think culture change takes a long time, but in my experience, the contact centers I've been lucky enough to work with that change their metrics full stop. They come back six months, a year later, and say, "Dan, you can't. We can't believe the difference. Yeah, yep. Absenteeism's gone down, adherence has gone up, people feel much more motivated." So,
0: but Dan, it's you know, for for a lot of call center managers mm. that that uh, you know, as we said, start on the phones, work their way through. You yep. know, they're they're, they're almost uh, it's, it's an unwritten rule almost that this is the report that you have to give because that's the report it goes to the next person up the yeah. line and ultimately works its way up to the CEO. Yeah. So, God forbid we change those metrics because I need to see all these things. How, most of the call center managers maybe just don't have the skill set to challenge that and to change it. So how do they try and mitigate, you know, the movement to get away from those sort of really hard metrics to that stuff?
1: Well, I think, as you know, one of life's most important skills is the skill to influence people. Mm-hmm. You're constantly trying to influence your kids to, to eat the right food, to, to influence your bosses at meetings to, to pursue a certain project. And I find that the best contact center managers out there, we might be leaning a little bit now into type two, are very good influencers. They don't spend a lot of time sitting in their office. They don't spend a lot of time reading contact center reports. They're out there meeting the marketing, the legal, the procurement folks. They're helping... Share the value of the contact center with these other folks, and they're saying, "Hey, we can support you. We can help you. We know what customers are saying about you, and we want to represent you the right way." Yeah. So, so again, a simple evaluation question I ask people is, "How much time do you spend inside your center dealing with complaints and unhappy employees and metrics, mm. um, and or, versus how much time you're actually spending outside the center influencing?" other stakeholders in the organization so,
0: yeah so given influencing is absolutely a critical skill to, mm. to move into that type too, where you we're adding value to your organization but I know we've had some previous discussions around you know there's probably four key attributes for for want a better wording that you would see in the modern contact center who's evolving into a bigger picture sort of person
1: absolutely I mean you you and I have talked a lot about are we a cost center, or do we bring value to the organization? And one model that's always served me very well is is, is a four-level pyramid model, where we start at the base and work ourselves up. And on the base, what I call level one, you have your operations. Now, honestly, that's where you get your efficiency. That's where you manage your cost. That's where you forecast properly. You staff properly. And, a lot of people are still struggling to reach level one. Yep. And it's, yep. you're not going to bring much more value if you haven't gotten level one sorted. Sure. So again, to circle back, that's all the fundamentals. You yep. got to have them. Yep. Um, once you get level one under control, then you can pursue or, or proceed to level two, which is that fantastic customer satisfaction and loyalty people talk about. So whether it's customer effort score you're looking at, whether it's NPS, let's not get lost in the different metrics you can begin to make your customers happier, more satisfied, more loyal, stay with you longer, all those great things we all want. Mm. Um, a stat that, that I read recently by, by Matt Dixon really made my heart chomp. He said... Um, let me phrase this correctly, each time a customer contacts you for customer service, you're four times more likely to create disloyalty than loyalty. Yep. (laughs) You're four times more likely. So when people tell me we're running very smooth contact centers, and I'm like, really, make sure you take this kind of research to heart, because that's a lot of disloyalty potentially happening out there.
0: That's almost a bit depressing. I feel like I'm on a hiding to nothing, Dan. (laughs)
1: And and then this is where where at the end of the day, everyone gets together in the coffee shop or the bar and talks about the worst call they ever had and laughs and laughs and laughs. And then when you tabulate it all up, you're like, oh, my God, we just talked about four times more disloyalty than we did. That was the best call I ever had. So we all know the human dynamics in that. And I won't go down that road. But I think that's a very powerful precedent to start with, which is. We're four times more likely to create disloyalty. So what can I do to mitigate that? What are the actions and steps? And I think that's where all this great customer satisfaction and loyalty and research I think if you want to be a contact center manager that's delivering value for your organization, you're going to have to get knowledgeable about research, mm-hmm. quantitative and qualitative. And that's certainly a topic for another podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. But you yeah.
1: can't just defer the research to the research group or the service quality team and just look at the numbers when they come in. I think you have to gain an understanding of how does customer research work and what does it mean and how yeah. do I action it? Yeah. Level three, the third level is business intelligence, which is a fancy way of saying how do I take all this great set of learnings I get from customers and distribute those to others in the organization? Mm -hmm. Not within the center. I I call that inward looking. Inward looking is operations. Sure. Outward looking is you know, we learn something from customers, why don't we go talk to legal about that? Yep. We learn something from customers, why don't we go talk to inventory management and make sure they stock more blue sweaters, that kind of
0: thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how does, how does it, your, your call center manager approach that, I guess, Dan? Because is it a matter of sort of rocking up to the legal guys and go, hey, um, what, last month we had, you know, 5,000 calls about, um, you know, our terms and conditions and each call goes for an average of three minutes and therefore you're costing me X dollars and I know we've spoken about this so I'm preempting a response but I think it's something we all fall into so yeah how how does a call center manager tackle that
1: yeah I mean I admit I mean I'm an accountant by by education and, and my first career and I love numbers and numbers are cool but what I learned in my experience running contact centers was if I go to another department and start hammering them with my cost per minute's one buck and you're costing me 10,000 bucks. I'm approaching this in an adversarial way. (laughs) The point should be, uh, well, let me step back. Something I've always done that works with department heads is I usually start every meeting with them by playing a real call or two. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, I don't pick the calls randomly. I I have a rationale. Absolutely. But that always opens people's eyes because In this day and age, sometimes we're very far away from our customers and that just sounds Absolutely. like Absolutely. And looking chart. at some
0: numbers and stuff on a piece of paper versus actually listening to the real emotion of a customer is just gold, isn't it?
1: Sometimes I've started meetings like that and also as a consultant doing that and I play the one or two calls and then the CEO or someone raised their hand, do you have any more? <laughs> they actually want to delay the talk on all the number stuff because they want to keep listening. Yep. To the real voice. So so imagine your legal guy or, or gal lady listens to this call and is like, oh, boy, I, mm, I've never seen it that way. I think that's a more compelling way to inspire change than... Now, of course, the ROI, yeah, doing yep. the math calculation, yep. that'll always buttress what you're trying to do. Yeah, yep. I wouldn't approach other department heads with a cost basis. I don't find it gets a lot of buy-in.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At what point, though? Because there's no doubt. I mean, you know, contact centers have often been seen as the cost center, mm-hmm. and, and so you know, there's, there's certainly some, you know, some merit within organisations to go. Well, hey, if we can eliminate 20 percent of those calls, for example, that's a big dollar saving for organisations. Absolutely. So, so it does carry a lot of weight. But at what point? Or where do you kind of introduce that those discussions?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's perfectly okay to say uh, the best call is no call. Yeah, it's perfectly okay to say, uh, with my forgiveness to or forgive me, you revenue generating people out there. I mean, you logistics firms and you hotel reservations. We're not talking about you. Absolutely. For yep. you, that doesn't apply. But yep. for most everybody else, the best call is no call. So of course, you have to use your analytics and your intelligence. And, and try and solve these problems so that they don't crop up in the first place. Yep, yep. Um,
0: okay, so we've covered level one, uh, which is really operations. effectively the yeah, operations, the fundamental side of stuff. We're talking about level two, which yep. is getting into uh, influencing, I guess, is, is sort customer of- the, sat uh, Customer sat and Customer sat, yep. And three, we're now talking about um, the stuff we've just covered. The um, business intelligence stuff. Yep, and so number four.
1: Number four is the touchy-feely one, but very powerful. How did you make someone's life better? Yep. I just love this one and some people really take this to heart in their center. They'll have weekly meetings and let, for example, agents share, hey, we know you've got some metrics. We know you've got adherence. We know you dealt with a lot of grumpy customers, but why don't we step back and and ask you, can you share a story with everyone on how you made someone's life better? Love it. And I I have to tell you a quick one. One of the best I ever heard was the, it was a, a logistics company. The bride was in Mexico City, her wedding dress hadn't arrived. And on the day of the wedding, the logistics company somehow managed to get her custom ordered gown from, I think, Paris or whatever to the church literally on time, made the bride's wedding, of course, that it kind of changes the way you look at your work when you see things that way.
0: Absolutely. Um, Okay, so, you know, we've got about a zillion other episodes we'll record. So, this one we really wanted to just focus on those two types of contact centre managers. So, and I think a lot of people, you know, I I think everyone starts at that fundamental level, right? Um, You know, that's typically where you cut your teeth. Um, You spoke a little bit about sort of research and stuff, but Mm. uh, you and I both know because we work in this space directly around the lack of awareness around some of the fundamentals, I guess, in. In call center management, um, you know, because there are some some rules of engagement, so to speak, around call centers that are consistent across the globe. It doesn't matter whether you're a a little call center down here in Melbourne or, you know, uh, in in Germany where you are. There's some of those fundamentals. How do people learn those fundamentals?
1: Well, I mean, if it were 20 years ago, it would be tough. You'd have to go to a conference. But in this day and age, my goodness, YouTube and books and... Councils and associations, you and CX Central. I mean, this is the kind of stuff you provide. I mean, sometimes you're assembling the pieces, uh, or you know, you're getting the pieces individually, and then you're trying to assemble it. Mm -hmm. But if you don't feel equipped, get equipped. Yeah. Because you're really going to struggle. And and I've literally seen contact center managers come up to me and say, you know, Dan, I was doing things not quite right for four years. Yeah, yeah. And I said, yeah, but you're a really smart person. I said, it has nothing to do with your intelligence. You mm, just mm. didn't go to the well and drink from the knowledge. Yeah, yeah. So the good news is the wells are there. I think I, I always encourage people to get there.
0: To, and I, to, sorry. I had,
1: oh, and I was just going to tell you one little trend I have seen over the past years in particular. The convict center managers that aren't cutting it are being replaced. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing a lot of professional contact center managers, by that usually people running regional or global operations, being moved to fix areas that haven't come up to standard. So I think the days of getting by without knowing how to run a center are are coming to an end. They're
0: certainly diminishing, but I think, you know, you don't know what you don't know as well, right? And I think for a lot of people, you know, I remember the first time I, uh, you know, I was taught Erlang. I had absolutely no idea what the hell that was. Yep. And, and I think I probably would have been sitting there going, yeah, but, you know, my call center is quite unique because it's within my business. And, yeah. and, and, and so it was literally that mind-blowing moment when you go, hang on a minute, there's some rules here mm. uh, and some, some analytics and some strategy and some processes that are consistent across all call centers. It was literally, it blew my mind. <laughs>
1: And Justin, you hit the magic phrase, but we're different. No, you're not. You know, maybe your industry is different and the challenges you face in your industry are different, Mm. but the fundamentals are the same. And literally, whether I'm in a place like Australia, which is awesome, or the UK, or Singapore, or China, Um, The problems are always the same. Mm, mm. The problems are always the same. So I always advise people, look for the similarities, not the differences. Because if you're looking at your differences and you feel you're really that different, you may shut off some key learnings that you could apply. Whereas if you're saying, well, they're in a different industry and, yeah, they're in a different country, but this is how they solve their challenge. Maybe I can learn something from that. So, so try not to to use the but we're different game. It, it, it's not a good strategy, I think, to learn. Yeah, yep,
0: yeah, that's some really good advice. And and if you are one of those um, you know people that are sitting there and you've been in your contact center for a while, you, you are start, starting to get out there and you're getting some awareness around, you know, moving into that level two, level three. Mm. What, I know we spoke about that influencing skill, and I agree. I think that's probably a very critical skill that you need. Um, but can you give me one other tip for the people that are listening yes. out there? How do I transition out of type one into type two? Um,
1: I think type one to type two is an easy, relatively easy transition because you're equipping yourself with the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And once you have those fundamentals, I guarantee you your confidence will go up because you'll feel like you know what you're talking about. Mm. Even if that's not necessarily what the big bosses are used to hearing, you will be able to go in and make a case. I had very difficult bosses. I sometimes had to chip away at them like a glacier, Yeah, but I was often successful. Yep. They do come around over time. I think the more interesting place to be is, how can I grow as a type 2 manager? Yeah, Dan, my operations are good. My business intelligence is good. And and honestly, Justin, I think this is where customer experience comes in. If you have mastered the contact center domain, congratulations, it can be done. And you're proving it day after day. Now it's time to master the CX domain. Yeah, yeah. Because I find when I'm teaching customer experience, I have a lot of contact center people attending. Not always, but a lot. And what I've noticed is, yeah, they're strong in contact center, but not so strong in what is qualitative research not so strong and what's the latest thinking for survey design not so strong in some of the experience design or culture work so i think if you're really looking to grow your competency and and give back to your company and the people that work for you don't just use the phrase customer experience do something about it go get a credential go you know, find a way to grow that part of yourself. Yeah,
0: yep. and, and not only does it kind of add some value back to the business, but it just opens up, uh, as we're speaking about, just some amazing career opportunities because the, the customer service space is, you know, the little dot, isn't it, versus a massive big circle. Um, and, and so, therefore, the opportunities are just so significant in that space.
1: They are significant. And I think, I mean, I just felt completely renewed and I feel like I grew 10 times as a person when I decided to put myself through this Yep. customer experience journey which now I hope I can help other people go through
0: yeah so. I'm sure you can and we'll save that for another uh, podcast so Dan thank you for uh, for sharing your insights again as per usual um, for those that are listening and there is lots of information out there obviously you know I'll steer you towards CX central but there's tons of resources out there and encourage you just to t- type into Google about what you need to know um, and you know, of course we've got tra- training courses and all that sort of stuff but there is stacks of information so there's no excuses uh, in this day and age for not coming up to speak On all things uh, call centres. Thanks for listening. Dan, thanks for being here again. Thanks, Uh, Justin. Talk again soon.